My name's Sam Towns. And I'm Alex Norton. Before we get into today's episode, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. Today's episode is coming at you thanks to the amazing Weber Abrasives, because you can only get Cubitron belts from one place in Australia. Visit abrasives.on.net to work with the best. Yeah, so, what have you been up to this week, Alex? I never thought you'd ask. Well, you know... (laughs) I'm I'm a giving soul. <laughs> I finally finished that tiny dagger. Um, not the sheath, just the dagger part. Yeah, that it, that that thing is adorable. It is uh, it is super cute, um, but really solid feeling, which is 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 nice for something so small and delicate. Although it is a comically wide blade if you were to scale it up, um, but it it makes sense when you move everything to a, a small scale, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it came out quite quite well. Uh, now it's on to making a sheath for this damn thing. Um, been working on a um, straight razor, which has been a fun project to to uh, mangle my way through. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's going to be my first time doing a cold blue mm. uh, on on steel i've never worked with cold blue before but i have some birchwood casey coming and um, i'm gonna take it as dark as it will go super or perma it's perma no super blue yeah it's a one thing i will tell you is it's very hard to get even <laughs> it's terrible to get even yeah so i'm gonna do some practice with it first um to get my technique down and everything but um my my mental image of what i'd like to see is like a almost black mirror finished razor i think that would look slick oh like, it would. really really nice but if i can get it was like a really deep navy that's fine that'll look good too um it's going to be having um dyed blue box elder scales mm-hmm. um which are very high detail so if it ends up being more in the blue shade then it's still going to work really well um with of course brass accents because if you're going to do blue brass is the way to go if you ask me yeah. um but yeah that's coming along well i have had to um i keep doing minor adjustments to it because i'm a perfectionist now apparently um <laughs> and near enough is not good enough (laughs) i hate myself sometimes when you see something it's like could i live with that and you just sort of sit on that all day and it's like no i can't live with that (laughs) fair enough Um, so waiting for the streams of hatred because it's a um, flat grind razor Mm -hmm. which is still traditional guys it is Uh, i've been working on the sword um put out a the next episode of the vlog of working on the sword and in there you actually get to see a little sneak peek of a video ad that i'm doing for the beamish anvils yeah Um, it looks sick i'm i can't wait to see it i'm really having fun making it it takes time and hopefully bruce's bruce has been really patient so far Um, (laughs) he's a pretty patient guy he is a very patient guy but um doing that level of sort of editing and and 
color grading and and getting the shot perfect and doing it like 800 times to get it exactly what you need and all that sort of thing it takes time but it's uh, the whole thing's going to be like a like a one minute video but the amount of work going into getting it just right is uh phenomenal but it's going to be worth it it's already looking really sweet i'm really happy with it i've never looked like such a badass <laughs> <laughs> Very it makes cool. me look much more of a badass than I actually am. Oh, I don't know about that, but yeah. And um, we had a big Damascus day the other day and got mm. to really, really push and test the new log splitter press. Mr. Squishy. Mr. Squishy. Um, and it did really well. Like, it's, it's still... It's, it's, not, it's not a huge mover of steel, obviously. It's not designed to be. It, I built it to make damascus billets basically well, but yeah, to be but i mean at the end of the day even if it only moved metal as fast as your hand could move it at least at the end of the day you're not sweating profusely and but that know, was it yeah like my, my shoulders shoulder were fine <laughs> and it was this really relaxed day we had a barbecue while we were doing it and like in the space of half an hour we were getting two inch high stacks of steel down to a six mil thickness Mm-hmm. Um, and just drawn out super long, uh, ready to just do... Instead of doing a cut and stack of, like, three, it was a cut and stack of seven or eight. Yeah, and right. you just get these super high layer counts in, like, one cut and stack. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> um, with no, very little effort. And it, it worked really well. The interchangeable dies made it... Uh, we were able to progressively step out to wider and wider dies and get a more and more planished finish, so there was minimal grinding to flatten it out and everything. It was... Yeah, it worked better than I could have hoped. Um, and one other big test that we did was um, it was my first time actually trying to achieve forge welding temperatures in my new post box forge. Uh, and it actually handled it really, really easily. I oh, was, yeah. I was That's what really. They yeah, but the thing is, like, the refractory thickness, the wa- refractory of the walls on that is probably about a third of what's in my other forge, which made me nervous. But uh, And having the extra door at the top it's like the the heat can bleed out twice as fast uh, mm. and so i was worried and because we were using the press i had to be up near my workshop so we were forging in sunlight yeah which is always difficult yeah and then trying to actually get accurate forge welding heats in sunlight was nightmarish and everything but it worked really well and it actually gave me a lot of confidence to sort of push that forge a bit harder um and yeah i don't think i'd go away from post box forges in the future to be honest because yeah. um, I'm only ever working on one thing at a time, obviously. I, I'm not recommending that everybody suddenly run out and get a postbox forge, but if you're only ever working on one piece of steel at a time, they're really, really great. Yeah, and as long as you can have a handle attached to it or you know, that's it. keep it gripped in tongs or something like that, because yeah. there's no floor to set things on. That's the that, one downside. Yes, yeah, so very, it very much highlighted the need for me to uh, add a little expanding rest yeah. uh, on the front of it. Um, because otherwise somebody breaks your tongs <laughs> i'm talking to you yeah. broden mm-hmm. that's right now the whole world knows that's it <laughs> you broke a man's tongs yeah it's not done you not owe him done. a set of tongs broden yeah a, a competition worthy set of tongs you need to win the competition and then give and then me the, gift tongs. the tongs to Alex. <laughs> <laughs> 12 mil v bits <laughs> Uh, but the biggest news was I actually released an ebook, which was really cool. Um, I've been wanting to write one for ages, literally years, because I used to do the business consulting. And um, mm. 
now that I'm actually doing this full time, I don't do that anymore. But I do, I do miss it. I do enjoy doing business consulting. So I, I, I finally finished. I've been working on it for months, um, and it's finally out and released, and that's uh, that felt good. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic ebook. I've I've read it now, and uh, oh, you read the whole thing? Yeah, I apologize. Right the way through. My um, condolences. <laughs> No, no, it's full of really useful information. It's, it's a lot of it's stuff that you and I have already spoken about off mm. off camera and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's really well put together. It's very easy to read. It's very well sectioned. Um, I I think I'll be definitely suggesting it to people who come to me with questions about it because I have no idea. Most of what I know comes from you anyway, <laughs> so I may as well send them to the source. Well, um, it's funny doing this and like doing the Forge cast and doing the YouTube channel and everything sort of um, helped me shape it because I didn't want it to be this massive like 200 page monstrosity. I wanted it to be this like easy to absorb common language like that what we do here like what we what i do on the channel and everything so it's it's like a quick reference guy that's in plain english and that yep. is a lot harder to write than i was expecting everyone thinks they can write a book until they try and do it <laughs> yeah no it's it's definitely not easy and uh, sam yeah, knows he's a, a writer you did a great job and uh yeah no i i really like it so I'm glad. definitely worth a read what about you big fudge what have you been up to this week oh man um so, beginning of the week was really hectic. Uh, Saturday, I did my live stream where I forged two hammerheads. Um, turned out that one of them may be either wrought iron or shear steel. I'm pretty sure it's shear steel, but I've got to test it. Um, so, that that was a thing. That was <laughs> a bit surprising. Yeah. Um, was it just like a mystery steel and you weren't sure? Or? Uh, no, it's a piece of an old um, mill axle from uh, m- uh, Wheat Mill out in the boondocks <laughs> of right. WA uh, that I got gifted and I actually turned a piece of it into that Viking stump anvil uh, a while back That's and so I know it's hardenable but it, this stuff is showing some grain in it so I'm pretty sure that it's a form of steer, shear steel right. uh, which is really cool but also means that I just turned my only piece of shear steel into a hammer uh, <laughs> and it's not one of them selling, which is another thing. Um, but yeah, there not you go. anymore. <laughs> well, no, I, no, I was. Uh, it's a um, a trade uh, with oh, someone right. else. So, and I'd already, I already made that plan. So, anyway, um, other than that, I ground out eleven blades that I had previously forged in preparation for the knife show. Uh, spent yeah. like three hours ish at the grinder yeah uh just <laughs> how are your lungs burning. feeling um well wore my respirator i remember good finally yeah. <laughs> yeah no i i got set up i i did a full ritual and stuff like that you know got everything set up put my apron on everything Burns Went, okay this is what i got you know laid all the blades out in order yeah, uh, <laughs> and then I was looking at them all, and I'm going, "That's a lot of steel dust." Yeah, let's put my lot. respirator on. <laughs> I think I think I burned through like four sixty grit Cubitron belts and uh, like two hundred twenty grit belts, uh, oh, and, yeah. a, and a two hundred forty grit Trizact, well, an A sixty five Trizact, and an A forty five Trizact. Sounds like you're going to be pretty well set up for the Perth Knife Show, though. The I'm rate hoping the this rate you're going. Show- 
I hope this bloody show goes ahead because otherwise I'm going to be fucking drowning in blades. Um, they'll announce it over in Sydney and they'll hear you <laughs> off in the distance. <laughs> no! You fuck! <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so um, I've kind of been working my way through them, hand sanding them, um, you know, one by one, going through in stages. Uh, I've already got a handle glued up on at least one of them. Um, but yeah, I've got to take a few batches of the grinder and um post grinding i noticed that a couple of them are warped which means that there was probably some decarb on the outside uh protecting stresses inside the blade so as i ground that uh decarb sheath off it warped so i gotta put those back in the tempering oven to to sit um but yeah no it's been, been good been a bit hectic uh i finally got my car fixed for all of you who are interested um yes. Uh, thank you so much to Alex and Broden and Rob and um, Wayne. Francesco and Wayne and uh, Marat. Uh, you guys are all awesome. Without you guys, uh, my my car ended up having a lot more problems with it than I thought it did, and it became very, very, very expensive. You need to rename uh, it Pandora's Box. Oh, God. They yeah, open no. the lid and... Woo. Luckily, it means that I'm not going to end up broken down on the side of the highway, like it probably would have. Yeah. Um, one of the problems I had actually would have ended up with a sheared piston rod, which would have meant a dead car Death. completely. So. Yeah, no coming uh, back from that. <laughs> so yeah, while I'm a little annoyed at the amount of money I had to spend, I'm kind of grateful that I spent the money and had the money from you know all of my supporters, including my patrons. Mm. My patrons saved my ass, so thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, so that was, uh, that's good. <laughs> it's unfortunately been really, really humid over here. Uh, we've been having like storms on and off and overcast days, but it's still been in like the 32 to 35 degree range. Is it that sort of muggy, still humid? Yeah, no, stuff? no wind. If you go outside and you feel like you just walked into a wall of water, yeah. but it's like, it, but it's like tepid bath water is <laughs> the worst <laughs> the the stickiest ugliest feeling you can think of and uh yeah it, like the fan doesn't seem to move anything the when air the air is, is so body heavy. temperature it sort of feels like Ugh. you're just swimming yeah no honestly it's disgusting and it means that i like literally step out the door and my body just immediately encased in a sheet of sweat right. um and it, yeah it's disgusting i hate this weather i can't wait for it to be over mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but i'm powering through it trying to get there um but yeah other than that that's just that's been pretty much it i need to work on my sword projects i've been noticing you're moving ahead quite quickly with yours uh, well, you might might think it looks quickly but it doesn't feel quickly let me tell you well, a you, lot you know, of work to go at least you're actually making fucking progress <laughs> like mine's been sitting as where it is for the last week and i've got the second one of the uh, second part of those swords to make i haven't even made the damascus for the second blade so <sighs> then again i haven't even settled on a design um but yeah that's been my day <laughs> that's been my week <laughs> Well, um, since, yeah. since I totally forgot in my section, um, what was your song of the week? Ah, yes, it's by it's uh, by a band or a singer. A band, a band, a band doing a song. It's a, a song of the week. Yeah, why not? Uh, it's by uh, a band called Finn, F I N, and it's called Ship in a Bottle. Uh, and it's it's a really intense song. I 
I really love the um, the cadence of the chorus, like the the way that it builds. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's hard to describe how how the song is, but it's actually a really cool song. I really enjoy it. Uh, it's right. one of those ones where I I always pause in what I'm doing to listen to the chorus. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely worth listening to. What's your song of the week? Mine's from somebody that um, they actually won one of those like America's Got Talent or The Voice or something like years ago in the early days and I thought he was brilliant his voice Mm -hmm. is incredible but his career just I hope he never listens to this his career just (laughs) (laughs) it just got flushed the moment it started the moment it was pooped out and this guy was one of those people that I honestly believe is genuine talent just so skilled and now the only thing you ever see him in is um he occasionally pops up as like a guest artist on the like the postmodern jukebox Mm -hmm. youtube channel occasionally very rarely but his name is casey abrams and he Mm. did a song called an original song called get out and it's just the most sort of sweet sort of boppy stick in your head hook of a song about um like he loves a, a girl she doesn't love him back so she needs to just get out of his heart but <laughs> she won't and he tries and tries and tries and it's just it's just been stuck in my head and i've been humming it and singing it and playing on guitar and and it's just it's got such a good hook this guy should have been a superstar he really yeah, right. should have his voice is amazing he's done some um like cameoed in other artists sort of in a lot of indie artists will sort of do duets with him um and it's not my song of the week but if you if you end up like listening to my song of the week and you like his what is an amazing voice go check out he did um california dream and a cover of california dreamy as a duet with um some someone else i can't remember her name but if you look up casey abrams california dream and his take on that was super good. It really showcases his voice even more than Get Out does. Um, it's yeah. just a shame. I, was, uh, I, I sort of see it. And, you know, I'm, I'm super bitter about, you know, corporate world and, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> the music industry is about the worst, most uh, corrupt, sinister, awful industry on the planet. Oh yeah, um, no lie. <laughs> and and I, um, of of all of the the dirty, rotten, no good people in that sort of part of the world, the music industry seems to have most of them. The gambling industry has the rest. Um, <laughs> I can I can attest to that one. And but then, and then um, you got Wall Street. <laughs> but I see this guy and I hear his voice and the way he sings. And remember, when you listen to Get Out, remember it's an original song by him. Um, and it was his thing that he came out of this show, The Voice or America's Got Talent or whatever, and did. And it was his thing that he put out there to sort of represent him and his career tanked and it never should have. He's just so talented. So definitely check that out. And it will become an earworm that lives in your head rent-free. Yeah. <laughs> but, um Yeah. So, we have no user or listener 
emails this week well we did but they were the sort of ones that don't really go well being answered on the show so we just emailed them back um but who's been inspiring you this week sam ah well um i've been looking at a great deal of uh you know like engravers and stuff like that recently just kind of getting my passion back for my engraving and stuff like that and and something that's constantly come up in my feed is a lot of uh chasing and repose work and when it comes to the world of chasing repose there is one name that continually comes up and it's one that uh you know i've i've heard out of a lot of people and that's douglas Pryor. Mm-hmm. um that was uh, roy's inspiration of the week when he was on it was indeed because uh, Roy's actually done a class with Doug uh, at one point, and I think he wants to do another one. <laughs> I would too. Um, honestly, the detail in his chasing work is insane. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that specifically inspired me was uh, he's been recently working on a crocodile, uh, a chased cro- crocodile in copper. And if you look at some of his Instagram posts and you can find him at Douglas, you know, D O U G L A S underscore prior P R Y O R on Instagram. And you see the crocodile he's working on. You would swear that it would swim off the copper. Yeah. It's so real. <laughs> it is scarily real. And, um, he just, the, the, the attention to detail and everything that he does is just insane. I've noticed that with that when he does human faces as a real sort of uncanny valley sort of thing, like you think like it's like in labyrinth where they'll come to life and look at you while you're looking at it, sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's absolutely insane. I, I you know I'm I'm really enjoying all of his kind of projects, and it's funny because I didn't never really, never really got into chasing in repose, but watching his work is just incredible. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I've been really enjoying watching him do uh, this giant steel piece that he's working on. It, it is hilariously large. It is uh, probably about two meters by a meter and a half sheet of steel uh, that he's doing a big piece on. And if, if you go to his Instagram and watch the videos of him just wailing on it with a 10-pound sledgehammer <laughs> trying to get the depth... Um, and like he's sitting on top of it with a, <laughs> with a, with a little club hammer and stuff, trying to get it, uh, to, to form. Uh, I just, I love it and I can't wait to see what he actually does with it. Cause he hasn't actually said yet. So definitely a uh, craft of passion repose. Oh yeah, definitely. It, well, the thing is it shares a lot in common with engraving, especially deep relief engraving, which is what I want to specialize in, uh, in that you're creating depth and color and, and, you know, kind of angles and stuff like that with less material than you normally would you know like if you were carving a sculpture you would be able to do full 3d Mm. but in chasing and repose and in uh, engraving you tend to have it's it's kind of between 2d and 3d where you have you know the the height away from being a drawing but you also don't have the full height of the piece and uh yeah he his ability to make things look like they're alive is just incredible i i do not i'm not surprised that he's followed by pretty much everyone that i know uh <laughs> so i don't think anyone that, that listens to this will not know who he is but if you haven't checked out doug Pryor, 
definitely go and check him out. That, again, that's Douglas underscore Pryor on Instagram. Mm. Definitely well worth a look. Even if you're not into, like, you, even if you don't want to get into it, uh, into Chasing and Repose, just check his work out. It's you amazing. could admire the incredible work of an amazing craftsman. Exactly. Who's your inspiration this week? Mine's a bit of a last minute one because she in uh, the inspiration that I got from her happened just this morning. I think um, I know who it is. It's someone I've actually had as my inspiration before. And it was the person I was going to have as my inspiration, but then I thought about it and I was like, I think Alex is going to use it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, um, I and my wife have actually been sort of coaching her on getting herself. She's really serious about making this her career, blacksmithing, uh, yeah. and getting in the public eye more and things like that. But understandably, it is scary. It's very scary to put yourself out there and, and really... Um, you know show yourself off to the world and especially scary to do it live especially if you have any doubts in your abilities whatsoever um not just your abilities in your craft but your abilities as a person your social skills things like that uh, and as um my wife likes to point out that doing it as a woman adds an entire other element to it putting yourself on the internet um, oh yeah Big live time. and things like that but my inspiration is Carolyn Farris at Evergreen Forge Works because she has uh, very carefully and meticulously been planning uh, and molding herself and sculpting herself to actually because she's dead serious about wanting to do this for her living like mm-hmm. as, as her entire source of income. And one of the things that um, my wife and I had suggested to her is that doing it live is a really great way to do it and Twitch is a really good platform to do it. And naturally, she was terrified to do that. Um, <laughs> but she did it anyway. And she's been building up to this for quite a while. Um, she's had coaching sessions with us to go understand the tech behind it and, and all of that. Uh, and... We were, my wife and I were eagerly awaiting to see, you know, would she do it? Would she do it? And then she announced that she was going to, and I'm like, oh, we're going to see how she goes and everything. And let's face it, everybody's first few live streams are always a bit of a schmozzle. Carolyn's oh, yeah. was not a schmozzle. All right. She smashed it. I'm not even blowing smoke up her ass here. It was, she was like likable, sociable. She had great charisma. She did a really good project. She managed her camera angles. Lighting was great. Everything about it was awesome. And she got a heap of new followers because she was engaging with everybody. And like she just did every step right. And she did it terrified. Because <laughs> that's what I always say to people. It's all right if you're scared. It's just do it scared. <laughs> oh, that's the definition of bravery is, you know. That's it. You can only be brave if you're scared first. And Carolyn was super brave. And I've just, I I had to shout her out on the show because not only did she do it, I would have been happy if she just did it and did like the the usual sort of sloppy first live stream that people do. She didn't do anything. It was nothing sloppy about it. It was great. It was really entertaining to watch. And uh, she held it for an hour and a half. That's pretty damn cool. Imagine, that is pretty awesome. Imagine getting up on a stage in front of what was about 23 people, strangers mostly, and doing the thing that you're passionate about in front of those people, like, exposed, could 
be judged to have could have people saying mean things or anything but nobody did it was a really warm nice environment everybody was supportive there was some people popping in from all around the world it was really really cool and just super inspirational to see somebody go and do that hmm yeah, no, I was. I, I saw the Instagram post this morning of the the finished piece, and I was really upset that I didn't get to jump in on the stream. I was like, ah, so I went over and followed her immediately. So yeah, and, and um, as should everybody listening to this. If you have a Twitch account, you should follow her. She's just Evergreen Forge Works, all one word on Twitch. Although that being said, Twitch's search algorithm is hella broken and. Yeah, well, I've managed to find her through searching her name, so... Well, the best thing to do is to actually go to her Instagram profile, which is evergreen underscore forgeworks, and look in her bio. The link to her Twitch channel is in the bio, and you can follow her there. uh, And just spam her account with follows. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Tell her the Forgecast sent you. Because it will encourage her to do more. It was a genuinely entertaining and enjoyable stream, and uh, I think she should be doing this on the reg... Yeah, and she came out with a great product too. So you know, and that's you know another difficult thing to do on a live stream. Uh, like I, you know, I do a live stream every week where I'm forging something, and it almost never comes out exactly the way I want it to. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's that's the beauty of the live stream because like you make mistakes. Carolyn made mistakes in hers. She would do bends the wrong way and things like that. But you get to see when you're watching someone live what people like us do when things go wrong and how we fix it and everything and that's encouraging for people who are watching because it's like oh well maybe it's okay if i fail which it is yeah problem solving absolutely it's the the most important skill the only thing that's not okay is not continuing on yeah um she every time something went wrong she just powered through and fixed it and showed people what she was doing and explained it and all and all that sort of thing and yeah people got real value out of it so it was hella inspiring for me and i'm, I'm gonna actually push myself to um, do a twitch stream myself on friday i think yeah Provide you just need to get yourself a wi-fi extender <laughs> well i've actually got all because i've got my forge and everything dragged over near my finishing shed because of the press <laughs> um i'm actually within range of the wi-fi temporarily so oh cool I thought I might do a Damascus stream on Friday. <laughs> nice. Hopefully the weather holds out. We're, we're expected to have quite a bit of rain on the weekend, but um, hopefully it doesn't hit early. Mm. But uh, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, you heard with it here first, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. With uh, inspirations out of the way, that brings us in to Tool Time. Tool Time! Tool Time is coming at you thanks to the boys at Creative Man, where you can get all of your sexy steals, toys, and classes. Visit creativeman.com.au to order today. This week, we are talking about air compressors. Mm. Very underrated tool in a blacksmith shop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're incredibly versatile in, in their utility, but people don't use them. Like I, And when I say people, I mean me. I don't mm-hmm. use them. Like I have a, a fifty kilo, uh, you know, air compressor in my in my shed, which is perfectly serviceable, really useful, and I never use it. <laughs> they're so loud, though. <laughs> they are incredibly loud. But ninety six um, decibels, mine puts out. It's put it on the, the brander into the side of the tank. Yeah, you gotta you gotta um, like encase it in refrigerator panels in order to you know <laughs> muffle it. <laughs> But um, no, they just uh, the the thing is, is that um, one of the common things I see a lot of people using is is like pneumatic air grinders, uh, mm-hmm. pneumatic um, drills, pneumatic all kinds of stuff. 
Uh, and I have a pneumatic die grinder. <laughs> yeah. Um, I realized the other day that I have a pneumatic die grinder set. I was thinking about clearing out hammer eyes and stuff, and I was like, God, I'm going to have to do this with a file. Uh, <laughs> well, here's the and- thing that a lot of people don't realize, because, yes, you can get uh, rotary tools. You can get electrically powered things. You will never get, unless you're getting, like, really high-end brand tool, electric tools, you will never get the torque out of an electric tool that you will get out of an air-powered tool. Yeah, never. And, like, even if you do, a lot of the time they're way bulkier, you know, like, Mm. (laughs) you normally end up with those uh, rotor tool die grinders that are, like, you know, two foot long and (laughs) about, like, six inches round. Yeah, feels like you're holding onto a salami. Whereas with a little flexi hose and just the hand piece, it's so much easier. And you can actually get angle grinders as well. Um, and if you're trying to like strip scale and things off billets, and and you know how much work that can be to grind that back, you would be amazed that the the torque that an air powered angle grinder can get you. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that you quite commonly see, or well, used to commonly see on man at arms, was they used a air powered or pneumatic uh, wire brush. Mm. with brass with brass bristles to do uh powered brass uh brassing of hot steel right uh which is something i want to get because i think that'd be cool but um yeah the other thing of course is that it's really useful for cleaning things off uh, yeah <laughs> like it's just genuinely easier to clean like especially sawdust and stuff like that if i'm using the grinder to do uh like sanding of all of my handles and stuff like that my shop becomes a dust storm. <laughs> Every surface in my shop becomes a, like an inch thick layer of sawdust. Yep. So having a having an air compressor at that point is almost necessary, uh, or a leaf blower. Yeah, that's <laughs> but right. at least a, with a uh, or a good can a, of baked beans. <laughs> yeah, but with an air compressor, you can get into those you know nooks and crannies to get rid of all of the the excess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's also it's... really good for drying things off because mm. um, water and steel, as you know, don't mix. And if you've got something that's got like pilot holes drilled down into it, getting water out of those is very hard. Compressed air just blows all the water out. Yeah. And I mean, we've been talking about machining recently. One of the most advised um, coolant, quote unquote, for tungsten carbide tooling when cutting steel is compressed air. Mm, there you go. Um, because you don't want to use coolant, like actual liquid coolant, unless you're flooding the uh, the piece when you're using tungsten, because it'll actually shock the tungsten tool and actually cause it to fracture. Right. So they, they either say flood it, so literally just you know, completely submerge the thing, uh, or pro- high pressure air, um, yeah. because tungsten can handle the heat. So um, Yeah, no, it's, it, it, they are an incredibly... And like even a small air compressor can do a lot. You know, yes. you don't need a, a big, you know, 200 kilo tank um, air compressor. And one, th- one of the... Oh, yeah. Oops. No, no. I was going to say, something that uh, I never would have thought to do. You can get... Um, it's sort of like a hand-powered jackhammer, but it's an impact tool. Uh, mm. Reciprocating impact tool for air compressors that they usually use for, like, panel beating and sometimes breaking up little bits of concrete and things like that. You can get different bits to put in them. Um, yeah. Roy Adams actually has made custom ones of those to do yeah. like um, texturing work on both uh, ferrous and non-ferrous metals. He's also punched hammer eyes and stuff with it. Has he? <laughs> he made, oh, yeah, geez, he made. He made, <laughs> he made a pneumatic. He made a pneumatic hammer eye punch <laughs> out of the jackhammer. 
And uh, one that you see uh, Torbjorn use quite a bit is the same thing, but with the descaler attachment, which is a yeah, whole bunch of the needlers. high carbon steel. Yeah, the needler rods. They they work surprisingly well. Uh, yeah, well, it performs much the same function as another tool that you use with an air compressor, which is one that I want to get, which is a sandblasting cabinet. Yes. Uh, I desperately want a sandblasting slash bead blasting setup um, mm-hmm. for doing like forged works and stuff like that where I want to remove scale because, uh, you know, vinegar soaks and all that kind of stuff are great, but, you know, <laughs> they take forever. Yeah, um, even hydrochloric still takes about 20 minutes. Yeah, and you have to sit on it. You have to watch it and mm-hmm. it stinks and uh, the the excess that you have to throw away is always And you got to do it outside so you don't yeah. flash your entire <laughs> shop. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it's one of those things. There's also uh, a couple of things that I want to make in the future that a sandblasting cabinet would be very helpful for. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, a compressor is, is almost necessary in any workshop uh, if you think about it. They're also stupid and they're not, cheap. Yeah, they're not expensive at all. Um, I think I got mine from uh, cash converters. And the for tooling like for them bucks. is actually quite cheap as well. Mm. Um, I will say, though... You get what you pay for with the hoses. Get mm. good, proper hoses. Spend money. If you buy a cheap compressor, spend at least half what you paid on the compressor on the hose. Yep. You you will not regret it. Yeah, no, I want to I want to get mine wired in, and I want to get one of those retractable. Yeah. The one the wall mounted retractables. My favorite tool to use with the um, air compressor, which I always describe to people as being the most fun you can have without breaking the law, is <laughs> the plasma cutter. Mm. It is a real life lightsaber, and you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> uh, but you need a, you need an air compressor if you're going to run a plasma cutter. Yes, very uh, true. But they are a, one of those things that you'll only use maybe like four times a year, but when you do, you'll be really glad you had it. Yeah. Um, but I would be remiss in bringing up air compressors if I didn't bring up a safety thing about air mm. compressors. Compressed air is stupid dangerous in one particular way, and it's something that I keep seeing people do with air compressors. Embolism. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do not take an like an air blaster, like a jet, and press yeah. it against your skin and make fart noises with it. As much yeah. as that is hilarious and really great Instagram content, you can actually <laughs> blow compressed air through the pores of your skin into your bloodstream. And if you get air bubbles in your bloodstream, that's a bad day. That's no, a really dead. bad day. It will kill yeah. you outright people yeah people die from air and like iv lines and stuff all the time so and playing with air compressors in this way is so common that deaths from pulmonary embolism through air compressor misuse is actually double digits every year in at least australia um and it's because (laughs) nobody they just sell these things and they don't tell you like if you're going to misuse an angle grinder you will injure yourself very seriously, but it's hard to kill yourself with an angle grinder. Mm, yeah. A, t- a table saw, you'll lose fingers and limbs, but it's hard to kill yourself with a table saw. An air compressor will straight up kill you if you misuse it. Yeah, and, and like it's impossible to fix. Once, once it's in your bloodstream, you're, there you're is, done. There like, is no medical procedure to <laughs> fix it. They can't help you. 
So please do not squirt compressed air directly at your skin. Yeah, I mean, I used an air dust, like the, the air gun to like dust off my clothes and stuff. But I'm normally pointing it at myself from six to twelve inches away. Yeah, if you're if you you're know. six inches away from something, you're not going to be blowing compressed air into your skin. You you would need to be at least an inch away. Yeah, yeah, but and yeah, it, no, just just don't do it. Don't don't do it as <laughs> just, much as it is it. hilarious. I'm not going to lie; it's freaking hilarious. The fart noises that last really long. It's a really great way to get a laugh. It's not worth your life. Yeah, and make sure that your uh, your pressure relief valve isn't rusted shut. Yes. Uh, because <laughs> pressure relief is incredibly important when air compresses. And drain uh, them at the end of the day. Like, yeah. Relieve yeah, all the pressure off, and then dr- there's a little screw on the bottom. Undo it and l- just let air flow into the- from outside into the cylinder because moisture building up on the inside will rust the inside of the cylinder. And then one day you'll go to compress it and you'll hear a big bang and it's the last thing you'll remember. <laughs> it's like, burr, boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So, um, yeah, couple of safety notes. They're, yeah, they're incredibly cheap. useful tool, but also dangerous. But that's pretty much true of everything that we talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But at least air compressors, aside from falling on you, they're about the only things that can actually happen that are dangerous are the ones that we've listed. Yeah, indeed. So, don't that, do those that, things. Funnily enough, that part of the topic actually brings us into the topic of the week. Oh, you caught my clever segue? <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> Just slid into that. It was very well done. Yeah, like a like an oiled up man on a slipping side. That's right, because our topic of the week this week is tool maintenance. Mm, and there's and so it's something much. That, yeah, it's something that we, like, it, there, it's jumped on quite a bit in blacksmithing circles in some key aspects. Yes. Right? Like, the one we always think of, mushrooming of, of struck tools. Mm-hmm. There isn't a blacksmith out there, I know, that doesn't see a mushroom tool and immediately start commenting, Yeah. Dress that bloody tool! You'll die, and it'll shoot you in the femoral <laughs> artery. <laughs> that's fantastic, and I love it, and keep doing that, because we want to make sure that newbies know to dress their tools. Uh-huh. But the thing is, is that there are so many more things that we don't maintain Mm. (laughs) that are just as deadly and we have had entire episodes in the past on like fluids that you keep in the shop and you will remember that we Mm -hmm. talked about the various oils and lubricants that are in there and and things like that that are necessary in your shop for maintenance but we didn't really go into the actual maintenance that you would use them for Uh, blacksmiths are kind of infamous for not looking after their forging tools as well as they could we're very much she'll be right craftsman you know yeah that's right it ain't if it ain't broke don't fix it until it's broke and so (laughs) you know you should be at least like once a month oiling your tongue uh, bosses Mm mm-hmm just because it'll make them last longer. I just dang I just dunk them in my quench tank. <laughs> <laughs> Get them in the mank tank. That's it. No, I just dunk them in the oil, quench oil. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like Sam said, dressing tools, dressing your anvil as well. Like chip mm. out can also happen on the corners of your anvil if you're not watching it. Especially if yep. you've got an anvil with a welded face. Um, yeah. You, big time. T- you tend to get a lot more sort of flingy, chippy happening on the corners of those things compared mm-hmm. to like cast steel cast steel doesn't do it as readily uh still can but you know not as, as yep. often 
but um, it's it's not just going to be these sort of like uh, power-free tools like tongs and hammers and chisels and things like that. You're all working with things like uh, angle grinders, you know, having spare brushes for your if you're using a brushed angle grinder, um, noticing when they're starting to go down. Um, just sort of have a one day every six months where you go around and check all of your tools make sure that everything's working make sure that everything is oiled when it needs oiling if you are using air tools put oil into the actual air vent yeah the air tool, the, air the, tool the, oil the in, especially in, don't in, use ingress. any just generic oil yeah that's right uh, <laughs> If you can't find any uh, any old oil, sewing machine oil actually works really well, and you mm. can usually buy it um, in really large quantities, like a liter at a time, and you're going to be using a few drops. Uh, it's yeah. just you need something incredibly thin. Yeah. Um, and actually, one of the things that uh, Alex <laughs> inadvertently got me to start doing was testing the bearings on my wheels on my yeah. grinder. Yeah, every so often, uh, just give them a spin. Yeah, I just I give them a free spin when the belt's off just to make sure that I'm not hearing crunch, crunch, crunch or uh-huh. it's not grinding because he had a bearing explode on him oh, yeah. uh, on one of his wheels and, you know, it's not it's not deadly, but it's definitely dangerous. <laughs> and let me tell you, we love Cubitrons mm-hmm. and I am a big fan of 36 grit Cubitrons, <laughs> but when one is coming at your face, you are very... Yeah, not- all you have is this flashing moment of comprehending the grinding power <laughs> that that has it's like wow this is more effective than any other belt and it's about and to hit me in the face <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's when your forehead becomes a barcode <laughs> yeah that's right you lose about six stone just just dragged yeah. off you <laughs> but yeah there's all kinds of like um the wire wheel on your grinder on your angle grinder or on your um your main grinder if it's missing missing tufts of mm of wire is actually going to be more dangerous yeah uh and it'll grab things and throw things so it might be time to trade that out Um, yeah (laughs) and also um what we were talking about using compressed air to dust um Mm. if you are using a 2x72 grinder look at the air ingress ports on your vfd if they are even if they are far away from where the belt is actually spinning ambient dust will build up and it will either block up those vents or actually get into the circuitry which can cause short circuits and blow your vfd and that's a bad day so it really is <laughs> yeah we, sam and i've both been through that one so yeah all it takes to avoid that ever happening is just once a week just a, a quick with the compressed air and there's gonna be no dust left in there one that one that gets on my nerves that i see quite a bit and i hear quite a bit uh, is he- he- hammerheads flying off the handles. Mm-hmm. Right? That normally only happens after the hammerhead has been loose for a while. A long time, yeah. Yeah. It's so a, like, it's the spontaneously thing is, popping off every five seconds. Now, this is something I've talked about a number of times on many different platforms. I'm going to say it again. I sell my hammers without a steel wedge in them. The reason for that is because wood shrinks especially when going in different climates. And so when you get the hammer after a week or two or three or, you know, a month or so, it will shrink and the hammerhead will become loose. At that point, you put a steel wedge in it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because then it's going to be compressing those fibers again and it's going to solidify that hammer fit up. If I'd already put a steel wedge in it, the wood would still shrink, but then there's already a steel wedge in it and so you're not going to have room to put another one in. And therefore, you're going to... 
yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, depending on the size of hammer and wedge that you're using. But then you're basically going to have to scrap the handle and put a new one in, which, you know, is a little bit more uh, cost inefficient than just putting a steel wedge in. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I see so many people that don't, like, re-wedge their hammers when they're getting loose. Mm-hmm. That it's like, oh, it'll be fine. I just tap it a little harder on the, on the anvil to get it seated for a couple of swings. <laughs> and I mean, I've been guilty of this too. Where We've all done it, let's face it. And I've felt the hammerhead become loose and I'm like, ah, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> and that's the time that I copped a four pound sledgehammer in the friggin' shoulder. I've even uh, seen Roy Adams do it uh, quite a yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. No, Give it, the old it, two it, taps on the anvil face. Yeah, it's so common, um, but it is something that is dangerous. Like, um, depending on how high your shed roof is, if you swing that up and it comes off on the upswing, <laughs> you can launch a three-pound head quite a way up, <laughs> and, and it comes back down with a certain amount of force. And that can be seasonal. Like, if you live in a place like I do where it can get quite hot but never humid, uh, that mm. dry air will shrink your hammerheads, uh, the, the oh, head of the ham- handle, much more than in a human environment. Um, so if you're like living in Arizona, for example, you're probably going to get uh, that dry heat. And um, mm. a good trick if you live in a, a place that has very, very low humidity is instead of soaking it in lin- the head in linseed oil or, or the classic way of doing it, use uh, automatic transmission fluid or brake yeah. fluid. Um, yeah, yeah, and it won't evaporate out as quickly. It soaks in. Uh, you just got to deal with a bit of funky color in the top of your hammer. But yeah, either either that or um, thin your linseed oil fifty fifty with turpentine. Um, mm. You know, it'll I've, soak I've, in a bit better. I, I used to do that, and I found that ATF works even better. Right, there you go. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's it's one of those things that I I just notice a lot of. It's like dressing the tops of your chisels, like your. Um, your hot cut chisels and your slitting chisels and stuff like that. Um, I, I notice a lot of the time you'll miss hit, like you'll see, see people miss hit the top and like gouge a corner, mm-hmm. but they won't redress the face. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just as bad as mushrooming. Dress yeah. that goddamn chisel. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, it can also come down to really little things. Like uh, if you are doing a, a lot of hot work uh, especially in a gas forge, the reins of your tongs can get quite hot while you work. And a common thing is to dunk them in the mank tank, cool them off a little bit, and then go back to work. The mank tank gets not just water in it. It gets all sorts of things, bits of oil and all that sort of stuff. And every time you dunk your handles, or your reins, your, your tongs in there, you can actually add oil to those handles and they can become slippery. Um, and that can make them pop out of your hand or loosen unexpectedly. So just uh, cleaning off your handles, because oil will sit on a tong handle, and it'll still be there in a couple of days when you go back to it. So just cleaning off your tong reins, the the interface parts of your tools, like the handles of your hammers, the reins of your tongs, uh, is a simple piece of maintenance at the end of your day that can actually save you an accident. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of tongs, uh, a lot of us blacksmiths like to adjust our tongs to the stock that we're, we're using. Mm. Uh, and Alex and I had a bit of a conversation about it before the show, but um, if you're going to make adjustments to your tongs, do it hot. Metal yeah. moves when it's hot, doesn't move when it's cold. Mm. Uh, as Broden found out. That's uh, right, when he broke my favorite set of tongs. Yeah, precisely. I'm disappointed. The funeral will be in two days. Um, <laughs> it's it's closed invites. I'm sorry, but your yeah. your well wishes are 
uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Hashtag RIP Tongs. That's um, it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like the thing is, is that when you're making adjustments to tooling, it's important to, you know, be it, mindful of what way you're like you're making those adjustments because even mild steel you think of it as something that doesn't harden it still work hardens no oh, yeah and it gets stress fractures and stuff like that in it from constantly being worked back and forth hmm. uh, if you're not heating it up you're not doing it you're not doing the right thing you're, you need to heat it up in order to adjust it heat beat repeat indeed and now- um like one of the things that you oh, sorry um one of the things you keep an eye on that doesn't come under maintenance so much, but it does come under, you know, being aware of your tooling, uh, angle grinder cutoff discs. Make sure they're stored safely, and when you go to put one on, or when you go to use one that's already attached to the grinder, make sure there's no cracks in it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how you get exploded angle grinder cutoff discs. And even if it's a brand new disc and it's got a crack in it and you're like, ah, it, it'll hold, it'll be fine. You know, it's not a big crack. No, throw that thing away, put a new one on. <laughs> and grinder discs are very cheap. Faces are very <laughs> expensive. <laughs> yeah, they are. Especially this one. <laughs> the moneymaker. Now, um, your workshop itself is a tool that requires maintenance. And I know I'm pretty bad for this, but um, if you are combining woodworking with metalworking you're going to be uh, in an environment that is a filled with sawdust and b generating sparks oh yeah so a good piece of maintenance is to make sure any area that is generating sparks is free of sawdust mm. uh, so a, just a broom and a shop vac really it's it's not that much work i am terrible and- for it but i <laughs> that wherever in my shop i have sparks i don't have sawdust yeah, welcome, welcome to practice what you preach time. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say something that everyone is immediately going to call me out on for being a complete freaking hypocrite. Is it don't but- wear bare feet in the forge? <laughs> okay, that's another one. Is but, it wear a respirator uh, while grinding? Uh, shut up. Is it wear your safety goggles? <laughs> is it wear an apron? I did, well, yeah, I uh, okay, Jesus, all right. Yeah, this isn't call out Sam time. <laughs> No, what I was going to say is make sure your shop is free of trip hazards. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, like, pick your shit off of the floor. Like, I, I you know, I'm terrible. I, I throw stuff on the floor all the time when I'm working because it's closer than the nearest tool rack or table. <laughs> yeah, my, my workshop is about the size of a 20-foot shipping container. And when yeah. it's long and narrow like that, it's really yeah. hard to avoid that. Yeah, absolutely. But even if even if they're unavoidable, like if there are certain things that just are on the floor, like cables and stuff like that that you need to have on the floor, make sure you're either aware of where they are or put them in a position where they're less likely to be tripped or over. Do what I do. You can actually go on eBay and get little, uh, or even just most hardware stores have little rubber floor runners that you can run cables mm. through. Um, I, I have those in my shop because I was tripping over things constantly. But, yep. So now I just kick rubber runners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I um, my big one is I keep shin bashing my um, my uh, swage block stand. All right. Um, so I, I have to remind myself every time I bring it out that at the uh, but once I've used, finished using it, I put it back under my welding table. Here's what you need to do: you need to get some hot glue <laughs> and some pool noodles. <laughs> yeah, on my swage block stand. Yeah, <laughs> nerf, nerf the outside of it. <laughs> 
and then next live stream, boo! <laughs> suddenly I'm fucking like covered in flames, <laughs> burning polystyrene. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good for the lungs. Oh, mm, tasty. <laughs> but uh, and one of the other ones is uh, your forge lining. Um, yes. If you're if you're doing a lot of uh, okay, so even if you've got properly sealed, you know, properly uh, coated. Uh, ISO wool, you're gonna knock chunks off the the coating. Yes. You know, it's gonna happen all the time. And at the end of the day, or at the beginning of the next day, take a moment to cover those cracks. This is why I always have a little bit of, uh, like, RTZ or Satanite or something like that uh, just off in a corner in a little bag that I use for my patchwork. Because it costs very little to take that little extra time, but it's gonna save you in the long run. This is and the one once... we probably see the most is, oh, is people thinking that once you have set up your forge, that's it. You never have to touch it again. It's temporary. Oh, yeah. The lining is a consumable. Yeah, and if you're using borax in your forge, um, that stuff's going to eat your forge. Mm. Uh, it's going to eat the roof. It's going to eat the sides. It's going to eat the floor. It's going to eat the floor faster than everything else, but it aerosolizes inside your forge. It's actually boiling. That's the whole point. Mm. Uh, and so those fumes are going to kill anything that you it touches, uh, and so yeah, it, over time it's going to break down, and you're you're going to notice that your fu- uh, your efficiency is going to go down uh, dramatically, and so it's important to like every now and again completely replace your entire uh, lining of your forge, which is why I'm moving away from ISO wall and going back to bricks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, that's that's my inevitable plan to um, make a post box out of of replaceable bricks. So the yeah. the whole thing will just unbolt. I can replace individual bricks and then bolt it back together again. Um, that's that's the dream. Yep, that's it. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's um, one of those things that people don't talk about as much is forge maintenance. I do see the kind of set it and forget it kind of attitude with it, mm. and I, no, just keep on top of it, patch it when you need to. Yeah, that's um, it. But yeah, that's that's the, my last kind of pointer on that. No, that's all I can of think things. of as well. But uh, tools in general, if they, every tool has a maintenance regime. Ooh, I did think of one more. Cables. Uh, extension cords, uh, power cables for your tools, and uh, especially the lines for your welder, if you have like an arc welder or a MIG welder or TIG welder. We, have, we play with hot stuff all day, every day, and a lot of the time that hot stuff ends up on the floor. And I don't know about your shop, but uh, my shop, whenever something hot hits the floor, it's like a homing missile for any exposed cable. Yeah, isn't it funny? It's, it's almost comical. It's like a, I've got a mental joke in my head that I use a, a stick welder, and every time you're, you've got it down to the nub and it's white hot... And you reach over to a bare piece of concrete and there's nothing for like a meter around and you press the little clamp and it falls out and immediately bounces over and lands on a cable. <laughs> yep. Or a pile of sawdust every, or... Every time. Yeah, every time. It's like you could be miles away and it will ricochet off six other things and then land on <laughs> like a cable that's running through a pile of WD-40. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that... If a hot metal touches an electrical cable, it's going to melt through that insulation. Literally really a second. Fast. 
Yeah, oh, you know, less than seconds, Single depending digits. on the size. Yeah, <laughs> like nanoseconds. Uh, all it needs to do is touch it. And exposed wires are a problem. Um, you know, obviously they're a danger to you because if you accidentally touch them, you could potentially electrocute yourself. Mm. But they're also a danger to your fuse box. Yeah. <laughs> you know, depending on if you're if you've got. Uh, you know, overload protections and stuff like that. Two wires fuse themselves together, and you blow your fuse box uh, pretty easily, and it can become very expensive. Um, so, be aware of where your cables are, and give them a check every now and again. Because you know, we all make stupid stuff ups. We all end up accidentally putting our angle grinder down on its own cable. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've done that one. I actually cut my cable in half. <laughs> my my um, record for stupidity in that regard was actually uh, plasma cutting, um, and I oh actually dropped the hot steel that I'd just cut off the slab that I was cutting, and it fell mm-hmm. and landed on the combination air and electrical hose. Ooh, uh, for the actual you know the business end of the plasma cutter <laughs> those things are not easy to replace no they're not cheap no and uh but well, i just I mean, kept going I... I didn't realize it had happened i just thought i was like losing air compression or something mm. i'm like oh my compressor must be running out so i like i'd walk over to the other side of my shop where my compressor was and this thing's just sitting here melting through just slowly oh, sinking through it i didn't terrible. even think yeah I, I uh, had a moment where I was angle grinding something and I realized that the sparks were going directly onto the top of an LB- LPG tank. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hmm, this isn't smart. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah be, be aware of your surroundings when you're working with things. Yeah. So um... Yeah, no, tool maintenance is something that you need to keep in mind, especially, like, we as blacksmiths tend to be very bad at it because we kind of use things until they're broken and then just make a new one. Yes, most of the time. But, you know, that eventually catches up with you. So, you know, maybe a little bit of preventative maintenance helps prevent that, funnily enough. And I always find that the tool tends to break right when you need it. Yes. <laughs> so preventative maintenance means it doesn't break when you need it <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's, it's like that saying you know an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure yeah, entirely true yeah but guys I have been getting quite a bit of joy out of seeing the efforts that you've been putting into and the, the, the gusto that, that has been being put into the Forgecast competition Oh man, away. It's been incredible. Like I'm, I'm excited because some of the stuff that we're seeing come together right now. I'm, <laughs> like I didn't. I had you know expectations of seeing some pretty awesome stuff, but people are really going for it. I think we're going to actually see some like new inventions and new advancements in tong technology come out of this. I yeah, I'm I'm excited. Like the the thing is, there are some people who are doing some really artistic stuff, but I'm really liking the other side of things where people are actually trying to invent new tongs because it's like do it does it, oh, i'm not going to get an answer from the audience but uh, people should be watching Vintergatan uh, make the marble machine x 
Um, yeah. And he was making it himself, and then he kept getting stuck. And so he started a Discord server, and this community knowledge coming in and all helping yeah. him have actually been like redefining this entire invention to be smoother, better, faster. And I kind of feel like this is happening with tongs now. All these mm. people are now looking at tongs in ways that they've never looked at tongs before. And they're thinking, <laughs> oh, I could improve that or make that better. And I, I kind of want to see if there's some advancements. You know, in the 5,000 yeah. years of people using tongs. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to say, I did find it funny that uh, because Alex mentioned that he really likes dragon tongs, there have been like five or six people that have decided mm. to do dragon tongs. Yeah. Um, if anybody's actually, making 12 mil square, uh, V-bit dragon tongs, then <laughs> I'm in the market. Give me more, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like the, the thing is that uh, Josh from ignis had already made a pretty good start on making a set out of railroad spike he got to the jaw making part and then decided nope this isn't unique enough so i'm going to start again and i i just have to hat off to you sir uh for starting again halfway through the month yeah <laughs> i look forward to coming seeing what you come up with and i got an, another update from cat as well like cat van forge yeah. she's done the copper inlay in her pin um so oh, really? she's she's following through with the design i'm loving it it's really wow. good that's amazing yeah so uh yeah, yeah we're, we're really excited. loving seeing it and if you guys want to join in there's still what like 20 days left yeah no, less um, fewer less yes fewer two uh two weeks two and a bit weeks so yeah, um two and a bit weeks yeah because we'll be going live on the 27th of march saturday yeah um or friday the tw- 26th for people in america land mm-hmm. um but yeah it's um you've still got time to make a pretty hectic set of tongues so remember we've got prizes for this there's a first and second prize for the overall best fanciest possible tongs and then there is a a third prize for the wackiest set of tongs mm. that's right there is a rounding hammer a either a 30 a 316 or um 1020 san mai with nickel over 1084 bar of steel and then for the wackiest we have a set of handle blocks from not way fiddleback mm. yeah they're uh, they're all awesome prizes and um anybody would be lucky to win any of them but uh, people are really gunning for them, and that's that's what brings out the the best in a competition. But if you are going to contribute and make any posts about it on the social medias, use the hashtag #ForgeCastCompetition, not ForgeCastChallenge this month. It's ForgeCastCompetition. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or you know the you know been in the tongue making business for twenty years. We want to see your best attempt. We want to see some serious. Attempts ridiculous fanciness that you would never yeah. put in tongs in your entire life we want to see you do it and even if that means you know that you're it's just your first set of tongs and it just happens to be practical <laughs> i don't care i want to see it because i love this kind of stuff and i love it when people get in on this like when we had the anvil making challenge and some people were making their first product the anvil that they were making from <laughs> for the forge cars competition so I'm always happy to see people trying their firsts as part of our competitions, and I want to see that. So get in on it. Yeah. And um, with that, we will wrap this up. If you guys have any questions that you would like to send in, send them to ask.forgecast at gmail.com. 
and uh, we may answer them on the show. And if mm. you're looking for Samwise... You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Etsy, Patreon, Redbubble, Twitch, all the places, and the kitchen sink under Samtown's Bladesmith. Mm. Where can they find you, Alex? I go by Valhalla Ironworks, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, Redbubble, Twitch, uh, Etsy, where you can find my new book. Um, where else can they find me? Bloody hell, I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you are everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm just... Yeah, I'm like a bad smell. But I'm a tired bad smell, so... <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to go to bed, and I'm going to bid everyone adieu. Adieu. You, and you, and you. <laughs> Goodbye, <it's better. laughs> See you Bye, guys. guys. <laughs>